Welcome to the teaching ministry of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Family Church in Ohioville, Pennsylvania. We pray you are challenged in your walk with the Lord through the following teaching. For more information about Christian Assembly Family Church or to subscribe to our free podcasts, please visit us on the web at cafamily.net. Praise God. We're going to start a different new series tonight. And it's about faith, living by faith. My favorite subject in all the Bible, living by faith. Praise God. It's a wonderful, wonderful, blessed truth. It makes everything come alive. Amen? It makes everything come alive. And that's why it's so very much important. Praise God. Amen. Well, let's pray. Father, we thank you for the privilege of studying your word together tonight. And we do so in the precious and holy name of Jesus. We invite your spirit to be our teacher and guide, to anoint our ears to hear accurately, our hearts to receive, our minds to be open to the truth that liberates, delivers, and sets free. Thank you for changing us by your spirit from glory to glory as we hear the truth. And Father, we believe we'll be shining lights in a world of darkness and hold forth the word of life to this, our generation, when we meet their Father God, the needs of the people that are here in the land. And Father, we just thank you for instructing us and showing us those that are nearest eternity that we can speak into their hearts the truth of your word and bring them to your saving grace. We thank you for it in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Living by faith. Hebrews 10, 38, our opening text. Now the just shall live by faith, but if any man draw back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. Notice the expression, the just shall live by faith. Now, there are four times that this is stated in the Bible. Habakkuk 2.4, Romans 1.17, Galatians 3.11, and here in Hebrews 10, verse 38, it says, the just shall live by faith. So if you think about that truth reiterated over and over again in Scripture, you know it's got to be important. The just shall live by faith. And notice it's the just. In other words, you're just, you're righteous in the sight of God, and it's time to live by faith. And so... The principle is this, we're saved by grace through faith, right? By grace are you saved through faith. And then by faith you access the grace that you have in Christ. And that means you access the grace that heals, delivers, that protects, that provides, the grace that blesses and meets basically all of our needs. So by Grace are we saved through faith, but then we take the faith that we have, and then we access the grace. Look at Romans chapter 5, verses 1 and 2. It makes that very clear. Therefore, being justified by faith, in other words, we're saved. Justified by faith. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom also we have access, how? By faith, into what? This grace wherein we stand, and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. So when we talk about grace... There's saving grace, healing grace, delivering grace, protecting grace, comforting grace. Do you see that? And so it's up to us to develop our faith in the grace of God. Access it by faith and apply it to our lives. If not, even though it's available to us, we're not going to experience it the way God wants us to. So we have a part to play in what we experience in God. And the only way to do it is by faith. Well, after making this very clear to the people, what does he do? He encouraged the people to use their faith to overcome the certain circumstances that they found themselves in at this particular time. These Hebrew Christians were basically tempted to go back into Judaism and go back under the law. And he was telling them, don't, don't do that. There's nothing back there. 
He was telling them to use your faith to go forward in the things of God. Don't turn back to perdition. Move ahead, move on to the saving of your souls. So he's instructing them to do that. And then, of course, what he does, he lists a bunch of individuals that we call heroes and heroines of faith. And uses them to, and as an example to say, look at these individuals and see how they use their faith. And then you can see how you can use your faith to overcome just like they did. And we call that chapter 11 what? The Faith Hall of Fame. Isn't that a wonderful Hall of Fame? Wouldn't you love to be in that Hall of Fame? It's the Faith Hall of Fame. And what did these people do? They overcame inadequacies. They quenched the violence of fire. They brought down walls that were seemingly impenetrable. Overcame like giants just like David did. And the list goes on and on about what they did, their achievements. As a matter of fact, as I studied this and I read this, this has impressed me so much, I have to have it put up there for us all to see. Hebrews chapter 11, verses 37 through 40. Let's read these here verses. They were stoned. You tempted to go back? Have you suffered stoning yet? They were what? Sawn asunder. Do you know who that's talking about? Isaiah. And Isaiah, when you think of sawed asunder, you think of cutting in this way. No, no, not that way. They laid him down and cut him this way. Head all the way down. Sawn asunder. They were tempted. They were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins, goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. That's why I wanted to get out. The world wasn't worthy of these holy men and women of God, even though they wandered in deserts and in mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. And these all having obtained a good report through faith received not the promise. God having provided some better thing for us that they would out us should not be made perfect. They need us to do our part so that their lives were not sacrificed in vain. They're talking about the fact that this church that we all are part of, Jesus Christ the chief cornerstone, but it's built upon the apostles and the prophets and Jesus Christ being the chief cornerstone. So that means these others that laid down their lives and sacrificed their lives, they did it knowingly, not looking to God for deliverance because they had to make a point and a statement. And that statement was, it's important to live and die for Christ. And if need be, die, then be a martyr and die. And that's what they did. They paved the, wo- the way for us. Think about that. They paved the way for all of us. And the Bible says they weren't, the world isn't worthy of them. Imagine that. Wow. How impacting is that? They blazed a trail for us to follow. Now what I like to do in, in beginning this series, there's so much to faith. It's just, just so much. But I'm going to just begin by looking at the fact that faith is probably the most important subject in the Bible. So we're going to look at the importance of faith and show why it's the most important subject in the Bible. Number one, we're going to list some reasons for you. Number one, salvation. Is there anything more important than that in your life? Is there? Ephesians 2.8 says, For by grace are you saved through what? Through faith. Not keeping the law, not going to church, not doing good deeds. But by grace are you saved through faith. And that not of yourselves is the gift of God, not of works. Lest any man should boast. For you are his workmanship, recreated in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God before ordained that we should walk in them. Paul goes on to say, 
So in other words, we could not be saved. There was a preacher who heard another person preaching on the subject of faith and he heard him preach a lot about the subject of faith and he, faith, and he went up to him and you know what he said? Why do you preach so much on faith? Well, he proceeded to give him many, many reasons and scriptural references as to why he preaches on faith. The importance of faith is basically what he taught him. And the preacher just stood there looking at him and said, I guess I better get on it. For years he preached but never preached a subject of faith. People don't know they've got to believe to receive. First of all, Jesus is Lord. But what saith it? The word is near you. It's in your heart and mouth. The word of faith which we preach that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart God raised him from the dead thou shalt be saved for with the heart man believes to righteousness and with the mouth he confesses unto salvation for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved so in other words faith is released in the finished work of Christ and it's released from your heart and lips you got to believe it and you got to say it and that's how you're saved and that's the most important thing in all of our lives and so that's why I say faith is such an important teaching in the Bible why a person can sit in church for years and I've had him say it to me I've been in church for years and never heard you had to do that and all they were basing their salvation on was maybe they were baptized as a baby or baptized in water and joined the church and thought that must mean I'm saved and they weren't when you're saved you know it you've got a change of heart you know it number two the second thing Faith is essential, not just beginning our course, but finishing our course. Look at Second Timothy chapter 4, the Apostle Paul. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Henceforth, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord the righteous judge shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but unto all them also that love his appearing. Notice, he fought a good fight. He finished his course. He kept the faith. You realize everything that comes against us in this life is to get us off course with God? To get us to go astray and go in a different direction? Paul, if you think about his life, and you think about the challenges, you think about the beatings, you think about the whippings, and the five times with the cat of nine tails, and the three times beaten with rods, and, and stoned to death, and left in the sea, a night and a day, and the fastings, and, and the boats that he was on, the shipwrecks, etc. And the list goes on, being bitten by a serpent, and then uh, obviously being challenged in perils by his countrymen, in perils by the, the, the Romans, and people that were around. Do you think about what this man went through? You know, you get people today, well, I just, it's, it's, I'm just not doing well. I just need, it's hard to pay my bills. Look, you have no idea what persecution is like. Paul went through all this and never gave up the faith. By faith, he finished his course. He went all the way with God. He didn't start to quit halfway there. He was going all the way. And if you're out there, you're being tempted maybe to slow down in your race and maybe go off to the side to the right to the left don't do it don't even think about it pull yourself together and start declaring your faith and what you believe start declaring that the God that you serve is greater in you and you will finish your course you're not going to bail out halfway through number three the importance of faith we're talking about our salvation finishing our course but also what a verse Hebrews eleven six: faith pleases God. Remember in chapter 10 
He's telling them, don't turn back. Uh-uh. The just are going to live by faith, he tells them. In chapter 11, he begins describing and defining what faith is and how it works and what it's all about. And then when he gets to verse 6, he says, but without faith, it is impossible. Everybody say impossible. To what? To please God. It's impossible to please God. Would you say that's important? To please God is important? It's impossible. Jesus said, I always do those things that please my Father. But without faith, that is an impossible thing. But you say, but I do this, I do that. He's not pleased with that. What pleases Him that we believe. It's impossible to please Him without faith because he that comes to God must believe that He is and that He's a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. So it's important that we recognize that if we want to please God, it requires faith on our part to believe something beyond ourselves. See, faith is having confidence and trust in God's wisdom, God's power, God's ability, God's goodness, God's mercy, and God's grace. And we rely on Him rather than relying on ourselves and what we can accomplish and what we can achieve and what we can do for ourselves. You're actually letting God know, I can't do anything without you. My very existence is dependent on you. And so my eyes are on you. You're my rising up, my lying down. You're my coming in, my going out. You're the glory and the lifter of my head. And no matter what obstacle I face in life, I am going to declare like others did, like David did, you're greater than the giant Goliath. Like Joshua did, you're greater than the walls of Jericho. Just like the Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, you're greater than a fiery furnace. I believe to see the glory of God Almighty. And so many others did the same thing. But it's important that we recognize that we can't please God without faith. We must believe to see the glory of God. Jesus said you've got to believe if you want to see God's glory. And so it's important that we recognize this blessed truth and, and trust Him, not ourselves. And then number four. Number four, it's by faith we fight. You ready for the boxing gloves? You ready for the boxing match? Paul says, I'm not fighting as one that beats the air. I'm fighting to win. I'm going all the way. Okay. First Timothy 6.12. Look at what it says. Fight. This is his instruction to Timothy. He was his mentor. He taught him. Fight the good fight of faith. Timothy, fight. Yes, your walk with God is a fight. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life whereunto you're also called. And as profess, the word profess is the same word confess in the Greek. Could it be translated either way? Profess or confess a good profession before many witnesses. When Jesus said, if you profess me or confess me before men, I'll confess you before my Father in heaven. It's the same word. I'll confess you. I'll confess you. You confess me. I'll confess you. So in other words, in this fight that we're engaged in, it's up to us to recognize the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God that are pulling down the strongholds. We don't fight with natural weapons, with bombs and bow and arrows and guns and the like, and grenades, grenades. We fight with words of faith and power. When Jesus withstood the devil in the wilderness, what did he do? He didn't use any explosives or devices. He said, it's written. That sounds simplistic, doesn't it? But it is so impacting, it's beyond comprehension. It is written. And then he declared what was written. After the third declaration, what happened to the devil? He was put to flight. Jesus overcame. So you and I will be challenged along the way. We'll be challenged to face circumstances and exalt them above the word of God. The knowledge of God. 
But God says, don't. Don't cave in under the pressure. Don't give up. Fight the good fight of faith. Believe it in your heart. Say it with your mouth. And watch it come to pass. Don't faint. Don't lose heart. Amen. When the Son of Man comes, he's going to find faith on the earth. If he looks over this way, he will. Right? If he looks in these pews, he will. Right? Because we believe to see the glory of God. Now, oftentimes people will say, but you don't understand. You've got to accept everything that comes into your life as being the will of God. And they'll use this to support their position. They'll say that you realize that God is a sovereign God. And being a sovereign God, he can do what he wants, when he wants, how he wants, if he wants. And I try to just corral them in a little bit and just say, well, I know. And he did do something that he wanted. He bound himself to his word. And since he bound himself to his word and sealed his word with blood, he cannot operate beyond the boundaries of his written word. If he does, he violates his own integrity, becomes a liar, and loses. You and I have no basis for faith to fight what we have to fight in this life. If God can arbitrarily do what he wants to do, when he wants to do it, how he wants to do it, if he wants to do it, you have no basis for faith because you won't know. But when you take a verse of scripture and you hold it up to heaven and say, Father, you said if I confess my sin, you're faithful and just to forgive me my sin and cleanse me from all unrighteousness. And so therefore, I'm confessing my fault, my shortcoming, my failure to you right here, right now, today. And I believe right now I receive cleansing, forgiveness and cleansing from all unrighteousness. And I want to thank you that I am restored in my fellowship with you. And I'm walking uprightly. Can he deny you that? Can he say, well, you know what, Bill? I don't really want to forgive you today. It's I'm not in the mood. Can he say that? No. He is bound by his word to do what he said he would do. Numbers 23, 19. God's not a man to life or the son of man to repent. If he said it, he will do it. If he spoke it, he'll make it good. Psalm 89, 34. He said that his covenant will not break or alter a word that's gone out of his mouth. You know what that produces? Faith. If he can change it, you have no basis for faith. Trust me, when I make a promise to my son Andrew, he's on it. And he'll come up to me and say, Dad, do you remember you said you'd buy me this? Yeah, but I thought you forgot. Remember what you said. Okay. Am I bound? Unless I want to be a person without integrity, I'm bound, right? And I do it. Now, if we as natural human beings can be bound by our word and honor it, how much more should God honor his word? Because you know why? Unlike us, God's not going to say something that he doesn't want to do or something that he won't support or follow through on. You realize that. And when you read that verse, God's not a man that he should lie, nor the son of man that he should repent. It's because God's perspective is so much greater than ours. You ready for this? God doesn't utter a word out of his mouth that he does not already see accomplished in his mind's eye. 
In other words, if there's something to interfere with that word from being fulfilled, he doesn't say it. Now, for example, I said last Friday, there's healing class next week. Well, guess what? It's canceled. I didn't know someone was going to have a funeral on Friday morning. I didn't know that back then. But you know, God did. So God would have never said, yes, we're meeting next Friday for healing class. He would have never said that. Because he knows. So in other words, what I'm saying is, God sees the beginning and he sees the end and everything in between. So he's not going to say something that he cannot follow through on and fulfill. So therefore, whatever he says in his word, he knows he's bound to keep. Because he's already said it and he already sees it done. So therefore, we can trust him to bring it to pass if we cooperate with him. How? By faith. And say, Father, you said this. Just like Andrew would. Daddy, you said this. Okay. I'm, I know I'm obligated. Praise God. Next. Number five. By faith. You ready for it? Are you a world overcomer? We overcome the world. And my goodness, what a world we have to overcome today. Look at the chaos that's taking place in the world today. Look at what we're facing in this 21st century. Look at all the, the wars and rumors of wars and the catastrophic events that are occurring. You know, the floodings, the hurricanes, the earthquakes, the etc., the etc., and the opposition and, and the rise of ISIS and things that we've never heard of before taking place before our very eyes. We overcome the world by faith. And 1 John chapter 5 and verse 4 is the verse that tells us that. Whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world. And this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our unbelief. Thanks, Aaron. I just wanted to make sure everybody's awake tonight. Even our what? Even our what? So how do we overcome the world? Our faith. And where does our faith come from? An understanding of the integrity of God's word. And so therefore he has given us his word to do what? Produce faith. Because faith comes by hearing. Hearing by the word of God. To instruct us in such a way so that we know what God said he's going to do. And so when people say this is going to happen, that's going to happen. We go back to the word and we refer to the word and what it says. And we recognize and we realize that it cannot be any other way but the way God said it. It will happen just the way God said it. There's not going to be an end of the world like people think. We're going to blow the world apart. You know, and then that's what, oh, I don't know about you, but I heard this one on the radio this morning. We want to spend probably billions and trillions of dollars to, to go and, and do what? Go to Mars. Anybody want to fly it out? Anybody willing to travel to Mars? Can I ask you why? For what reason do we need to go to Mars? Well, you know, some of these people that don't like our country? Just a thought. I mean, just a thought. We can make a nice little place. It's so sad how spoiled people are in this nation. Those people that say they don't like what the flag stands for, I'd like to have them go over to Cagayan de Oro in the Philippines, in Mindanao, and let them live there for about a month. I guarantee you within one day they'd be out of there. Communist rebels are all around you, surrounding you. Chuck and I being abducted after we get off the plane in, in Manila. 
surrounded by these 10 individuals that I don't think they wanted tea at all. Think about that. You see, we're just so spoiled here in this country. It's sad. It's sad to see. But it happens every day. Did you hear about the one, the one teacher that took out the American flag, threw it on the floor in his classroom and stomped on it to, to show that this is his expression of the First Amendment? Wow. The last I checked, people died and shed their blood. Shed their blood to give you that freedom. And out of respect for those people that shed their blood, you could protest any other way you want. Don't protest that way. You just don't do it. Okay. The lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, the pride of life. 1 John chapter 2 talks about those things. The things that are in the world. And he points out these three things. The lust of the eyes, flesh, and the pride of life. We can overcome them. How? By faith in God. By our faith in God. We can rise up and believe that God is greater in us than whatever this world hurls our way. Can you say amen? Okay, next one, number six. We walk with God by faith. Second Corinthians 5 and verse 7 tells us, for we walk by faith and not by sight. We're so focused on this world that we live in that it's difficult for us to look beyond it and see that there's a spiritual world out there that's more real than the world that we're living in. That's almost unthinkable, isn't it? When you think about that. But you know what? Again, I bring up my son Andrew. And what I think about him talking the way he talks. Again, just recently, well, Dad, you know this is the week, Feast of Trumpets, Jesus could come. Oh, I just can't wait to get back there and see him again. I just can't wait to get back there and walk on the streets of gold and see what he has up there for me. And he, it's so vivid to him. It's so real to him. To him, it's just like talking about going into his house and walking into his bedroom and playing a game. It's that real to him. There's a real world that's out there beyond the seen world. And when Paul says we walk by faith, not by sight, sight talking about senses, our five senses dominate and dictate to our lives. What we see, hear, feel, taste, smell, those five senses try to dictate our lives and what direction that we go in. But you know what? The apostle was trying to tell us, look, what you don't see is on the inside of you. That you've got a building of God made eternal in the heavens, not made with hands. And that if this outward man perish, this inward man is renewed day by day. And if you are unclothed, you take this outer shell, this just jar of clay that the scriptures talks about, and remove it, you've got the building of God. You've got the real you. You will be released and you'll enter into the real realm that created the realm that we're living in here right now. And in that place, praise God, there's beyond anything we could comprehend. Eyes not seen, ears not heard, neither enter the heart of man, the things that God prepared for those that love him. We can't even begin to imagine it. But we know it's real, we know it's there. And so he's saying, don't, don't be so bound by what you see. Don't be so preoccupied by natural things that are on the earth. While we look not at things seen, but things that are not seen. The things that are seen are temporary or temporal and subject to change. But the things that are not seen are eternal and not subject to change. And they never will. And so praise God as you live your life upon the earth. Live it in the eternal perspective. Live it in such a way so as to recognize and realize that what you do here in your body on the earth. It will either add to or take away from your resurrection. 
And the more we lead to Christ, the more people, the more we shine as stars in heaven. I mean, thank God, you know, for the, for the achievements we can acquire on this earth as we live our lives. But none of them will be taken with us. But the souls of men will. And the souls of women will. Amen? We should be focused, in other words, not just on natural things, but on spiritual things. And keep our eyes. And how do we do that? We walk by faith. And every person that we see around us, we should recognize that's an eternal spirit being that will never cease to exist. Do you cringe sometimes when you say that and think about that? That that person you're working next to, bumping elbows with, could spend an eternity in a lake of fire? Eternity in a lake of fire. Unthinkable. Where the worm dies not and the fire is never quenched. And then the sad part about it, if you were to walk over to that person and say, what about your eternal destination? Do you know that Jesus said you must be born again? You would think that you cussed them out. As long as you're talking sports and how the Steelers are doing and how the Browns are not doing. Thank God for the Cavaliers. Thank God for the Indians. They're on a roll, right? And I believe before Jesus returns, the Browns will win a game before Jesus comes back. So join together with me. <laughs> There's something beyond sports. There's something beyond accolades of men, beyond Heisman trophies and everything like that. And it's wonderful for, this, for the moment, for the season. But you know what? There's so much more on the other side. And I'd rather have my God, my Father, saying, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter thou into the joy of your Lord. What about you? Put your life in eternal perspective and live it that way by faith. And just be aware the people around you every single day can be lost to eternity. And so, be a spokesperson for Jesus. Okay, number seven. Number seven. By faith we access God's healing grace. We are healed by faith. In Mark's Gospel, chapter 5 and verse 34, we access God's grace of healing by faith. Here is a woman, issue of blood, 12 years, spent all that she had, was nothing better, rather grew worse. She came in the breast behind and she touched his garment, for she said or kept saying within herself, if I touch his clothes, I shall be whole. And Jesus, knowing virtue had gone out of him, power had gone on him, turned himself in the, in the press and said, who touched me? Looking around. And of course, Peter said, and others said, Master, you see the crowd thronging you and you say, who touched you? No, someone made a, a demand upon my ability and she fell down and told him all the truth. And so she tells him all the truth. And what does he say? Daughter, thy faith hath made thee whole. Go in peace and be whole of thy plague. What would happen if she stayed in her little apartment and never left to go see Jesus? If she stayed there thinking, if he, like so many think, if he wants to heal me, he'll heal me. Nothing would have happened. Well, you never know whether his will is or what his will is not. Whether it is or isn't. If, he, if that was her mentality, she wouldn't have been healed. She would have stayed right there. But she heard something beyond that. She didn't hear, you have to stay that way. Because God's teaching you a lesson. He's instructing you. Or he's chastising you. For something that you did that you don't even know about. But he's going to really perfect you if you stay that way. No, something she heard triggered off a spark of faith within her soul that raised her up and said, get out of your religious tradition. 
Put all that stuff behind you and aside. It doesn't matter what you face when you go along the way. You just touch his garment. You focus your faith on touches his garment. You do your part and God will do his part. And so she got up and she left out and she took off and she got down that road and she went to Jesus even though in the weakened condition that she was in. And she got to the multitude, the crowd that was thronging Jesus and she got on her knees and she crawled between legs and it didn't matter she didn't crowd unclean because she wasn't going to do it. She wasn't going to give herself away. She set aside religious traditions and doctrines and all that. And she says, I am focused on one thing and one thing alone. When I, I, the responsibility placed upon her shoulders. When I touch his garment, I will be made whole. And she touched him. And when she did, it was like electrical charge that went through into her body. Like a lightning bolt. Boom, the power of God hit her. And she was instantly healed of that plague. That is the kind of faith that heals. And she, he told her, daughter, your faith... See, there's two components to healing, faith and power. Jesus had the power, she had the faith. But they had to meet. They had to connect. Think about the man born of four. Remember they let him down the, towel, the ceiling towel and, and brought him before the Lord because the crowd was so thronging and it was so big beyond the borders of the, of the house and all that. Remember they were there and they brought him in and so they couldn't get in. So what did they do? Climbed on the top of the roof, took out the ceiling towel and dropped him down. Well, you know what? In, in Luke 5.17 it says the power of the Lord was present to heal them. So the power was there to heal them. Right? And it says that Jesus seeing their faith. He saw their faith. Right? It says it, it, says it in the Bible there. He's seeing their faith. Well while the power was present. He was seeing their faith. Guess what? Nothing happened yet. But Jesus was a master of bringing the two together. How did he do that? He said son your sins be forgiven you. Your sins are forgiven you. And when he said that, even though the Pharisees got angry and mad, who can forgive sins but God alone? Who does he think he is? He's making himself God. He knew their hearts. He said, what's easier to say to you? Your sins be forgiven you or rise up and walk? And, and because he said that for them to see, he said to the man with the palsy, who was a paralytic, he said, rise up and walk. And he was completely healed. So when the sin was forgiven, the two sides came together, power came together with faith and boom, what happened? The miracle of healing took place. And so it's important that we recognize healing is offered. Healing grace is already set in motion for all of us to receive. It's up to us to connect by faith. And God gave us electrical current to understand that, right? Think about it. Do you walk into your house and the light switch does nothing happens? You put on the light and nothing happens and say, Oh, it mustn't be God's will for me to have light today. It mustn't be God's will. Is that what you do? Or if you're a lady, you say, honey, something's wrong here. And maybe it's not the light bulb. Maybe there's a disconnect in the switch or whatever it might be, right? Do you say, looks like we just have to live with this? When we bought the house, it worked, but now it doesn't work. So it mustn't be the will of God for this light switch to ever work again. And she says, Honey, if you think that, that's where I plug in the sweeper. No more sweeping for me. I'm done. You see, we can understand it in the natural. But in the spiritual, why is it we get, just go off on these tangents and think it has to be a different way? No, God's power is available to save, heal, deliver, set free, protect, comfort, provide for, etc. It's already been made available to us. It's up to us to do what? Receive these things. How? By faith. Okay, what number eight? 
By faith we resist our enemy. First Peter chapter 5. And look at verses, I think it's 8 and 9. Yeah. Be sober. Be vigilant. Because your adversary the devil as a roaring lion without teeth walks about seeking whom he may may he needs permission devour whom resist steadfast in the faith a better rendering is in your faith knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world Satan is lurking about seeking whom he may devour He's looking for people that don't understand faith, that know how to live a faith or walk in faith, to prevent them from getting into that realm of faith. Why? Because he can devour people then. See, he may devour people that don't understand how to use their faith. Matter of fact, look how important this is. Luke 22, verses 31-32. This is Jesus speaking to Peter. And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, Peter, Peter, behold, Satan hath desired to have you, that he may sift you as wheat. That doesn't sound like fun, does it? Satan coming along to sift you. Who's the one that does the sifting? Satan does. You understand what sifting is? To remove the coarse from the good. Okay? The wheat from the chaff. But I have prayed for you. I'll rebuke the devil for you. Is that what he said? I'll put up a shield in front of you, Peter. No. Well, what did he pray then? That your faith fail not. Can I ask you a question? Can faith fail? Can there be a faith failure? According to Jesus, there can. Well, you, what do you mean by that? You can get into fear, anxiety, worry, frustration, and all that. And you know what? Your faith won't be as effective. Didn't Peter's faith begin to fail him walking on the water when he saw the wind, the waves, and how boisterous things were, didn't he? Then he started off well, walking on the water. Then all of a sudden things changed and shifted when all the, his, he, he got his eyes off the word and got his eyes on the symptoms and all the circumstances. He began to have a faith failure, did he not? That's right, he was beginning to sink. Jesus prayed that his faith fail not. And when thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren. And so it's important that we understand our faith is necessary to overcome Satan's attacks on us. Because he desires to sift us like we. Then number nine. Another good one. By faith we inherit the promises of God. Hebrews 6 and verse 12. It's by faith we inherit the promises of God. That you be not slothful or lazy. But followers of them who through faith and patience inherit the promises. So in other words. These two power twins working together. Faith and patience will help us inherit or experience the promises that God has made for us. God's not going to change what he said. His promises he'll always keep. But it's up to us to use two things. What? Faith and patience. Why patience? Apparently it doesn't happen always instantaneously. And we've got to stay with it and stay with it. And don't give up the fight. And stay in the realm of faith. And, and continue to stick to it. With bulldog tenacity. I'm not letting go of what I believe. I believe to see the glory of God. I'm not letting go. And I thank God that I'm the, whatever, whatever you're believing God for. I'm delivered. I'm set free. I'm made whole. I'm serving God. I'm not turning back. I'm going to go forward. I'm going to overcome. I'm an overcomer by my faith. I'm a world overcomer. And overcome the things that, that the enemy brings my way. So I resist him with my faith in Jesus' mighty name. And so if we'll do that, we'll inherit the promises of God. And so what God does, he makes promises. Then he expects us to believe the promises why? So he can fulfill them in our lives. Number 10. The gospel will not benefit us or profit us without faith. 
Look at the book of Hebrews chapter 4, beginning at verse 1. Let us therefore fear lest a promise being left us of entering into his rest. Any of you should seem to come short of it. The children of Israel in the wilderness didn't enter into the promised land. For unto us was the gospel priest as well as unto them. But the word priest did not profit them, not being mixed with what? With faith in them that heard it. So it is essential that even though God made promises, faith must be mixed with the promise in order for us to inherit the promise. And so the gospel message doesn't profit anybody if they don't mix faith with it. And so if we just say, I mentally agree to it, I say, yes, I believe that Jesus did these things, and I know he's the Savior of the world. But if we don't exercise faith and release faith to believe, to receive him as our Savior and Lord, then you know what? We'll be overcome. The gospel won't benefit us. It won't profit us. It didn't profit them. Who didn't it profit? Everyone except Joshua and Caleb and the ones that were 19 and under. Those are the ones that got into the promised land. But others, they all died in the wilderness. So they didn't inherit the promise of God because they refused to do what? Mix. And think about that. The important ingredient. Mix faith. Mix faith. When you bake a cake, for the most part, you don't just throw all the ingredients in a pan and leave them there. And then shove them in the oven. Anybody here ever do that? I mean, they may make some today that you can do that with. But for the most part, you just don't throw everything in a pan without mixing it and just throw it in the oven. You've got to mix faith with it. And you've got to mix faith with the gospel. Everything that God's provided for us and every promise that he's made, we've got to mix faith with it. And then number 11. And it says here, let's see, conquers the impossible. Look at Matthew 17, 20. If this scripture doesn't make you wake up, nothing will. And Jesus said to them, because of your unbelief, for verily I say unto you, if you have faith as a grain of mustard seed, you shall what? You shall what? You shall say unto this mountain, remove hence to the honor place, and it should what? Remove, and nothing shall be impossible unto you. Remember way back, Tower of Babel, when God talked among themselves and said, God the Father, Son, Holy Ghost, and said, look at what man is doing. They're in unity, harmony, love, saying the same thing. And as a result, look what they're attempting to do. Nothing will be restrained from them, from whatever they set out to do. So God says, they'll do anything, they'll accomplish anything they want. Jesus tells us how all things are possible for us. Nothing shall be impossible to the one who believes in his heart and says with his mouth that what God's word says is true. Nothing will be impossible. Even this mountain will remove. Even a tree will obey. And devils will have to flee. And etc. etc. So faith is essential for all these reasons. But look at the twelfth one. The spirit is received by faith. The spirit is received by faith. Here, this is so essential to all of us. It is one of the crowning things of our salvation. I believe that, that God would have every single one of his children who get saved to be filled with the Holy Ghost. Filled with the Holy Ghost. Galatians 3, 14 tells us that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit, how? How? Through faith. By faith we receive the Holy Ghost. And you realize by receiving the Holy Ghost, we're receiving the Shekinah glory of God that was housed in the Holy of Holies in the tabernacle on they were on earth. That fire that came down from heaven, that glory that filled the place, the cloud that filled the place where they couldn't even stand by reason of the cloud. Can you imagine receiving 
that Shekinah glory in us, the glory that left the earth made holy holies and went up to heaven, came down on the day of Pentecost and filled them all, fills every single one of us who is a child of Almighty God. By faith we receive the Holy Ghost and power, like Jesus said, this is dunamis, miracle working power, equipping us to, to carry out really transactions for Jesus as we live our lives upon the earth. So praise God in conclusion. I thank God, hallelujah, that he's made available to us every promise in the Bible, but it's up to us to receive them by faith. It's up to us to do our part, to really look at what God said, embrace what God said, meditate on what God said, get it inside the heart, then start saying it, putting it in our mouths and with our lips declaring it so that our names too can be in the hall of fame just like the others are in the hall of fame for their achievements and the things they did for God and you realize there are two women two women they're heroes and heroines two women in the faith hall of fame who are they? Sarah and who else? Rahab the harlot think about that extreme Sarah and Rahab the harlot God will take by the power of his spirit any sin sick soul make it wider than snow and make that person a productive individual in society once again even if you're a prostitute and living the way she was living but she believed God and she has entered the faith hall of fame as a result of her belief in almighty God and so I have these written out for us we may study some things along this line but look at will our names be added to the list Abel Abel's life teaches us righteousness that comes by faith Noah obedient faith Abraham, faith to go and leave home and everything else to find a city whose builder maker is God. Sarah, faith to receive the impossible. Moses, faith to overcome inadequacies. David, faith to conquer giants. And so all these are listed for us to look at and examine and then begin to build our faith and declare that if they could do it, so can we, praise God. We've got the same God, same redemption. We've got a better covenant what they had and we can do it through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Let's all stand together before the Lord. Hi, Pastor Bill here. I want to thank you for joining us today. On behalf of my wife, Krista, and Krista Selby Church, I want you to know that we're here to serve you and your family. Whether you have young children or kids in elementary school, if you're a teenager or a young adult, we have a passion to provide a safe and comfortable environment where you can grow in God and build a solid foundation of His love for you. And with that foundation, we encourage you to take the gospel of Jesus Christ with you wherever you go. It is our heart at Christian Assembly to be an outreach, to be the hand of God toward Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the world. We want to join as the body of Christ to make one last trumpet call before the final trumpet sound, and through a life of worship, bring in a harvest of people. With whatever gifts God has given you, we want you to be free to share those gifts and talents. Life is most fulfilled when we share God's love with others. And in all that we do, we want to demonstrate the power of the name of Jesus to the world, through a ministry of excellence to God first and then also to you. So whatever the situation, wherever you are, whatever you're going through, I want you to know that we love you and God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. And that plan begins by making Jesus the Lord and the Savior of your life. And if you've never made that decision yet, I'd like to invite you to pray a simple prayer with me. And if you will, Jesus will become your Savior and your Lord. Just repeat after me this prayer. Heavenly Father, I come to you just as I am. And I believe with all my heart that Jesus died for my sins and was raised from the dead for me. I open the door of my heart. I call upon the name of the Lord. Lord Jesus, come into my heart. I now accept you and receive you 
as my personal Savior and Lord. Heavenly Father, I have called on the name of Jesus. I'm now your child. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you prayed that prayer with me, I encourage you to get into a good Bible-based church where you can learn to grow in your Christian faith and experience. God bless.